The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine featuring topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month, advocates from the blindness community will soon gather in our nation's capital to move forward on an agenda that secures independence and opportunity for Americans who are blind and visually impaired. Welcome to ACB Reports for February 2017. We'll have our main story in a moment, but first, here's an important announcement for users of the ACB Link iPhone app. The latest version of ACB Link is now available in the iTunes App Store. This update is necessary in order for you to continue receiving push notifications through ACB Link. Visit the App Store and stay up to date on important issues and on all things ACB with ACB Link. During the final days of February, leading advocates from the American Council of the Blind will gather in our nation's capital for the organization's annual legislative seminar. Tony Stevens is the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. The legislative seminar will take place at the end of February this year. It will begin with the President's meeting, which will be held on February 26th, which is a Sunday. On February 27th, we will have our legislative seminar meeting where we get together and, and go over issues and have guest speakers come in and speak on various policy issues and the imperatives that we're looking forward to pushing up on the Hill this year. And then on February 28th, that's the day that we'll actually head up to the Hill and meet with our congressional offices. And there will be a lot of new faces in Congress. There'll be some new faces in the Senate and in the House of Representatives. Uh, it's not as dramatic as it's been in past years. Like in 2010, I think we had the largest turnover in Congress in, in decades. But there are some new faces. And with that will come some new staff, too. We've had staff turnover as well the past year. So folks might have familiar faces with some of the congressional staffers in their more established congressional offices. But we expect folks to have the opportunity to meet with some new congressional staffers as well, which is always a good opportunity. And it's, again, one of the reasons that we do this annually or as annually as possible is to keep the foot in the door, as it were. It is, yeah. There's several reasons why it's really important for folks to come to Washington, D.C. I mean, it's A, about building relationships, which is always a critical part of what we do, and making sure that those relationships are sustained. There is more than ever now in Washington, D.C., voices clamoring, particularly around disability-related issues here in Washington. So there's a lot of noise. So it's, it's very, very important that folks reach out to their congressional offices and try to find ways to be heard over all the noise around all the other issues that are currently being debated and discussed and brought up to people's attention here in Washington, D.C. The second reason is, I mean, you know, it's our constitutional right. In a lot of ways, the First Amendment says pretty clearly that, you know, we have a right to air our grievances, which means we have a right to come up to Congress and advocate on what we think is important. You know, oftentimes we think the First Amendment is just about freedom of religion and freedom of speech, but buried in there in sort of the trifecta is our right to come and advocate, speak on behalf of others or speak on behalf of ourselves, which is extremely critical. And the third reason, which is probably the most important reason, is 
Congress is moving this year, and it is moving at extremely fast speed. The logjam that had been existing for many years due to sort of, a, if you look at it kind of like a full house, I guess it is, and I'm not a, a card player, but you know where you have all the you know, Republicans and Democrats, it was split. We had a Democratic president and then Republican Congress. This year we have all three together. So there is a very much an action that is very much alive in Congress to move forward on a significant amount of regulations that will be not just pulled back by the administrative branch or changed, but as well a lot of legislation that's finally going to be moving forward that Congress is moving on. Health care is one of those, which ties a lot into people with disabilities. There's going to be a lot of work in the summer on tax credits and, and tax package. They're going to be redoing a large tax package. They're going to have to rewrite the Affordable Care Act into a larger piece of legislation that will replace the health care legislation. That's the big debate right now here in town. And then there's also a myriad of other issues around education uh, with the new Secretary of Education um, and all the new administrative offices and the secretaries that are taking those offices and the transition on the leadership you know, really calls for folks to come here to Washington and put together our agenda in one solid narrative and be able to share that with Congress and have that resonate through the administrative branch as well. And you're absolutely correct about things moving fast. I'm familiar with one piece of legislation that was reintroduced into the House 10 days ago after failing the Senate late during the previous session and passing the House but failing in the Senate. Uh, a piece of legislation uh, affecting amateur radio operators or ham radio operators. It was introduced 10 days before it passed, and it passed the House yesterday. And it took, last year, it took nearly the full session to get it out of the House. Yeah, they're cranking through stuff now, because it's going to come in heaps and hoes in a sense of like, um, you know, like the tide. Right now, they're pushing through a lot, because they know, in some sense, there will be, by the time we get up here, we will be focused on the budget then. And they'll start going into budget hearings in March and into April for the 2018 budget. And budgets always um, slow down. <laughs> and budgets always slow down because the committees always start going into hearing mode where they bring in the, the who will be the new secretaries and the new appointed positions by the new administration and bring them into the Hill and question them on, you know, why spending is set at certain amounts. So there's a flood of bills being pushed through in two February things will probably slow down, and then they'll pick up again. And, you know, once we get through the summer recess, we'll probably see a lot more stuff passing through and moving on. There are some legislations that impact the ADA that have already been introduced. Um, There was conversation about the ABLE Act, which was passed several years ago, uh, could possibly expand its age limit. This is something that Republicans have talked about, which could be a benefit for our population. The ABLE Act is where people can set up as if they're, like, child college accounts that you have for kids. But money can be set aside tax-free as well for folks that need it for disability-related expenses. It could be put towards assistive technology, for instance, or having to use a taxi to get to work. You know, various expenses that you otherwise wouldn't have to pay because of your disability, you can put in a savings account. So there's a lot of noise around fear and threats and cuts and everything like that. But there are some positive gains that we can gain this year. I think our low-vision Medicaid demonstration bill that we pushed the past few years has a real good chance of maybe getting into a a house. Medical care is going to be a big part of the conversation going into the summer and into the fall. So our hope is that our issue of aging in place and for people to be able to live independently in their home, keep them out of nursing homes, we think will be a positive message. So, 
you know, that'll be one of the issues I think that folks will be able to engage with as well. So there's a lot of issues. There's a lot of things that are going to fall into our plates, and they can move quickly. So it's it's real important that folks get up here and get their staffs up to speed on what's important. Again, bring as many people as you can, especially the states that have a large number of congressmen. It's important to see all of them. If you can't bring anybody, find ways that, that people back home can get involved. You know, if it's calling or setting up a meeting with a district office, if it's writing a handwritten letter or brailing a handwritten letter with a little note on top of it, you know, a hand-brailed letter. Um, I'm not saying he was an old slate stylist, but, you know, making things personal touch that gets the attention of the senior staff and the member of Congress. We've always been told that handwritten letters always make it to the Congress member's desk. You know, I've written many a braille letter in my day, and, and uh, when I was younger, my mother or later someone else that I would dictate it to would write on yeah. the same page with the braille. Uh-huh. And, it, and that's, we forget about that technique, that sort of the, the letter version of a twin vision book, I guess, but it's very effective. It's kind of old school, but it stands out enough where everything is email now. And it's real easy for a staffer to easily get 100 emails a day in their box and just kind of glance over them. And if you're going to write, of course, you have to allow time for the letter to filter through the various securities and uh, so forth. So take that into consideration. But the important thing is to let these people hear from you. Exactly. And I mean, I would give three weeks, maybe even four weeks before to write the letter. Uh, you know, we'll be up there on the Hill on the 28th. A week or two afterwards, it would still be in the minds of the staffer. So, you know, around mid-February, folks can't make it. Start writing letters. Start making phone calls. Uh, there's going to be a lot that we're going to have to advocate for uh, because things are moving, like I said. And so it's it's extremely important that folks get here And if they can't get here, uh, try to identify ways that they and their state affiliate can get really involved with grassroots this year. Okay, you mentioned the demonstration project for the low vision aids. What else can we expect to be taking to the Hill? One of the areas that we've been working on, as I mentioned, sort of administration and regulatory issues, deals around with service animals and, and the fraudulent use of service animals. There is an effort to change the regulations around the definition of service animals and to make provisions that could help remove some of the fraud or hopefully a significant amount of the fraud where people were taking these emotional, what they will say is an emotional support animal, but it's really their pet. And it's not the people who actually legitimately need an emotional support animal, but it's people who basically see an easy way to get their pet on an airplane. And it's created a lot of problems for service animal users, particularly folks that are relying on their guide dogs that can oftentimes be distracted by dogs that aren't well-trained at all. So we are, you know, I think going to ask Congress to push forward its sort of opinion uh, in, a, in a hopefully a dear colleague letter or a letter to the new Secretary of Transportation, uh, who should be uh, Elaine Chow, if she has not already been confirmed by the time this is aired. But that will basically remind her that, look, this is what your department was working on, and we feel this is a critical issue for people who are blind, particularly people using service animals that needs to be addressed in the new administration. It's basically unfinished business. And then, you know, we will be working with people on on a number of areas that will be grassroots advocacy, not just when they're here, but afterwards. How are we going to work if block grants are pushed through for Medicaid? What are states going to be able to do to engage their secretaries of states on certain issues like voter rights going into the 2018 election? Um, You know, there's different things that we're not just going to focus on that one day on the Hill. But there will be other issues that we will bring to discussion and to the floor of the meeting and really try to build a sustainable grassroots campaign on issues impacting people who are blind into 
the summer and into the fall. So it, it, it's not just going to be a one-off day on Washington, D.C., but we're really going to ask and encourage people to try to stay engaged. So that'll be part of the tone on the 27th. And we'll, we'll have probably an, an additional congressional item, but the target is moving so much right now, it's difficult to have a crystal ball that looks 48 hours into the future. We should two weeks before the actual legislative seminar have something ready to send out to everybody that's the final backgrounders. But right now the tone in Washington is that anything could change any day. Which is challenging in many ways, especially for people like yourself who are planning meetings. But at the same time, if it happens to a piece of legislation like the one I mentioned earlier, it can be refreshing to some people. So, it can be. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's our membership is a cross-section of our American culture, and some issues are more important to people than other issues, and vice versa. So hopefully we try to create a agenda that is inclusive of everybody so that everybody feels like there is something in it that their voice can be heard on an important issue for them. But in the same sense, hopefully that can motivate people from all walks of life and all ideologies to be able to come to Washington and push on one central narrative that is we are an organization pushing for greater independence and opportunity for Americans who are blind. So that's the key, getting everybody here and getting us motivated. And then whatever the issues are that we take up on Capitol Hill, they are all going to be pushing forward that central narrative uh, that really, really clearly announces, because like I said, there's a lot of noise. You know, we need to have a unified narrative and voice for the blindness community going up into Washington, D.C. this year. So my hope is that we will be able to come here to Washington, be inspired, be encouraged, and then be able from that move into uh, the action portion of our jobs that we have here as advocates. In the last few days as we record this, on the 25th of January, there has been a lot of press about the federal hiring and wage freeze. Is there anything you want to say about that, or is it just what it is? The president has put forward in the first few days of office since being inaugurated on January 20th a series of executive orders, which are basically rules that as long as Congress has not made a law around something, there's a lot of stuff the government still has to do in between the the details kind of stuff. And and a large part of that is hiring. We have not seen... So what will happen is the executive order is then handed to whatever agency oversees it. In this situation, it will probably be... um, you know, Office of Personnel Management, Office of Management Budget, you know, it's more internal for federal hiring that will have to spell out how regulations and, and dotting the I's and crossing the T's is put into the fine detail from the executive order. You know, the order is sort of a broad stroke, and then they have to actualize that. Uh, once we get that, we'll get a better sense of, okay, is this going to impact Schedule A? Uh, we've heard concerns about it impacting, you know, uh, are people going to pass on a priority hiring of people with disabilities where there is the opportunity to get in the door and find employment opportunities in the federal government. But there are concerns around, will there still be the equal protections around Section 501 of the Rehabilitation Act, which sort of walks through that experience. We'll have to wait and see how these broad-stroke executive orders are actualized into actual regulatory language that will give marching orders for the federal agencies and the Office of Personnel Management on hiring. And once he issues that order, how quickly is it effective? Is it that day or is it... It's it got depends to go on the order process. and different elements of the order. Something that says a hiring freeze kind of puts an alert on everybody, but there's more details into it. How exactly does the hiring freeze work? 
I have not had a chance to read through the, the full executive order. I was just reading top lines. But, you know, there are parts of it that can be enacted immediately. For instance, there are things on, like, communication, stopping communications that are external until they can get the policy set up for these agencies and get the secretaries in place. Uh, you know, that was almost sort of an immediate action. There, you know, with the hiring situation, that's going to take some time for office personnel management to actually implement in some areas. But I think a lot of the agencies preemptively go ahead and start acting as such. Um, so it can take time, but some things can be enacted quickly. I know that's not the perfect answer because uh, it's hard to say because there's, there's a lot stacked in some of these executive orders sometimes. Can Congress then come back and create a piece of legislation that negates a presidential order? They can, but if the president has put in an executive order, it's very rare that a president would sign on to a bill that would reverse that executive order. Uh, Congress can come in and reverse an executive order um, or change statutes such that it nullifies an executive order in a sense. But they better have their votes to override a veto. Yeah, but they better have their votes to override a veto, exactly. So that can occur. Um, but in this sense, with the executive orders that are currently being passed through, um, you know, it's more of uh, the past administration and, and removing executive orders that had existed prior. So we'll have to see how that happens. Because, like, Schedule A was a big, one of the big areas under Obama was hiring of, of employees with disabilities. And our hope is that the administration will still see a value in that, in executing this executive order and still trying to use Schedule A as a, as a hiring opportunity for people with disabilities. And I've seen some press releases from various organizations on the fact that the White House website, certain sections relating to disability have been removed from that site. Can you comment on that? It's not a huge surprise. I mean, essentially, there is a a very vast difference of opinion on certain policies. Um, so a lot of things were taken off. The website page on disability was removed. Once the new administration comes in, they have their website kind of ready, and they you know flip the light switch, and the IT people do whatever they need to do, and check for safety and everything like that on the Internet protocol and all the standards and things to make things up to speed. But a lot of stuff is pulled off. We don't know if that stuff will come back or not. Uh, we hope it will, but what essentially will be happening is that website will be building itself out on policy areas. And, and it's just, you know, unfortunately with the administration, disability was not a major policy issue. And this administration didn't have too many people that were from the prior administration bleeding over coming in. So, you know, I think there are things that are, are non-traditional because there are a lot of, outs you know, I say outsiders in a sense that... They were not the people who had been used to working in the White House before that are coming here. My hope is that these pages were removed in that sense inadvertently. Um, and as we advocate for policies and we get people in the administration that are expert policy experts for the new administration that will lead certain issues areas, such as disability, that the White House can begin to rebuild its website to have more robust policies that reflect our constituents and other groups. Exactly. Our hope is that it was just a clerical error. Um, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I forgot about that. They are so focused on other policy issues within their agenda, their own campaign platform, that, you know, when you when you wipe the slate clean, uh, you know, some stuff gets pushed out. Anything else we need to talk about? 
you know, all I can say again is just emphasize the need for people to get here to Washington. And if you can't make it here, let us know, and then we'll try to find ways to get grassroots advocacy engaged at home because we really need to work hard this year at amplifying our voice so that, again, we can get over the noise because D.C. now is a very noisy town. That was Tony Stevens, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. For additional information about the ACB Legislative Seminar, visit our website, www.acb.org. From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports. So Washington, D.C. is a noisy town. <laughs> we have a little time to fill this month on ACB Reports, so let's fill it with a different noise. This is noise you don't hear very often from Dwayne Eddy. It's called Some Kinda Earthquake. There you have it, some kind of earthquake from Dwayne Eddy. Getting back to more serious matters as we wrap up ACB reports for February 2017, here's a reminder for students that the deadline to apply for an ACB scholarship is February 15th. That deadline will, of course, have passed by the time some of you hear this program. And here's some information about a scholarship for students with low vision. The Council of Citizens with Low Vision International, CCLVI, annually awards three scholarships in the amount of $3,000 each to one full-time entering college freshman, one full-time undergraduate college student, and one graduate college student. Applicants must be low vision, maintain a strong grade point average, and be involved in their school and local community. The online application process is open until 11.59 p.m. on March 1, 2017. The scholarships will be awarded for the 2017-18 academic year. You can find the scholarship guidelines and the online application at cclvi.org. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.